The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green, cross. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 188 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you on this fine Wednesday morning? Good. You know, we're 50 games into the season now. It feels like it's kind of rushed on time just marches on no matter how much you try to stop it (laughs) this is is true time does march on you've been performing experiments down in your basement to try to freeze time and it's just not going to work we're going to have a new champion in a few months are we going to have a new champion that kind of is a a good segue for what i want to talk about and i kind of want to talk a little bit about some disappointing teams and then also give a little bit of a shout out to the phoenix suns but i i want to talk we've had some injuries lately we talked about durant uh, LeBron missed two games and then went back for a second opinion on his knee and he's going to miss, uh, I believe up to six games. So the Lakers are scuffling. James Harden was out with a hand injury, but the Utah jazz lose Joe Ingles, I believe Sunday night, correct Zan to a torn ACL. And I wanted to tell you something as I've been a big proponent of the Utah jazz on this podcast over the last couple of years. Why don't you, the, the Utah Jazz played 16 games in January. Would you like to take a, re- a guess at what their January record was? Well, I did notice that they have officially lost more games this year than they lost last year, 21. So I would guess what, eight and eight? They must they have went been on a slide. Four and 12. They are two wow. and 11 in their last 13 games. They've lost five straight. Them and Brooklyn both on five game losing streaks. And I, I think it's really interesting because other than like Phoenix and Golden State was 11 and six, Phoenix 13 and one in January already put up a 16 and 0 month of uh, November. So, but, you know, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, the Lakers, the Jazz were all, you know, top contenders on BovadaSportsbook.com for NBA title uh, odds. But all of them went under 500 in January. And I wonder, is it just like the doldrums before the All-Star break? Or like, should we be really concerned about, you know, a team like Utah to, to see them That's go? That's a great question. And, you know, your offense, are we going to have a new champion? Kind of jokingly, because you're like, oh, maybe, you know, Milwaukee will win or something like that. Interestingly, because I'm thinking of Cincinnati Bengals, who might win the, their first championship, I think. Probably not, but maybe. Um Probably not, but maybe that's good. Maybe. So now yeah. you're right, no matter what happens, right? Maybe yeah. We- well, you know, the, but there are 11 teams that have not won an NBA championship, including the Utah Jazz, including the Brooklyn Nets, and including the Phoenix Suns. So they all theoretically have a chance to break that this year. And I think of the three you mentioned, obviously two are scuffling, and, and Phoenix. I think it's hard not to consider them the favorite to come out of the West at this point and probably the, maybe the favorite to win the title. I think if I had to pick right now, I'd pick Milwaukee over Phoenix again, but you know, if there's a BCS committee or whatever, you'd look at Phoenix and say they've been the best team. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue that Phoenix has been the best team. We've, we've kind of been, I, I have certainly been tiptoeing around it all year that like Phoenix, Oh, they're not quite good enough. We kind of saw everything aligned for them last year. And then they just, 
keep just smacking teams that they're on. I believe they've won 11 straight games. It's their second 10 plus game win streak this year. They just have so much depth. Uh, every signing they've made has seemingly worked out. Uh, and they've there's only, there's only one team golden state that's within nine losses of them. They've basically nine losses. Everyone else has 18 or more. I mean, that kind of, you, you, you know, with 30 they, games left, it's almost like you feel like they've locked up. Home they're the ones. Advantage or like, yeah. And let me, let me ask you this question. So currently the Lakers sit in ninth place. Well, I believe they are a game back of the Clippers for eighth yeah. place. Not quite sure what the deal with LeBron is. Like you never want to hear knee injuries. Obviously he had been carrying them to their 500 records. So they're 24 and 27 at this recording. How good would Phoenix have to play the rest of the way for people to not think like like what do you think like Bovada certainly I would assume wouldn't have the Lakers favored in a series against Phoenix in a 1-8 series but how good would the would the Suns have to play the rest of the way for people to not think that the Lakers were going to upset them because very clearly the Suns are, are far I, better I than the think, Lakers I think the the Suns have sunk in it is sunk in that they're for real this is not like a weird playoff fluke I think they. I, I'm. I'm thinking it's a matter of time until they're the favorites to win the title. Would you rather have? Let me. How, I don't think stuff? they've gone that far in Bovada. In other places yet, but I think they're inching closer to being the consensus favorite. Let's let me, let me ask check you, right now. Let me ask they, you this they were always like fourth or fifth. You know? Let me. Let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Some of Golden State's scuffles. Obviously, Curry has played um, not as well as we have come to expect from him when he was, you know, the early favorite for MVP. But a lot of Golden State's. I guess want to say struggles. They're still 39 and 13, second best record in the league. They're still four and a half games clear of uh, Memphis, who's in third. But part of their struggles have been that Draymond Green has been injured. And so, like, if if Draymond Green comes back healthy, I mean, do we think Phoenix is a lot better than Golden State or be- no. better at all I'd- than Golden State? I don't think so. Well, I wouldn't say a lot better, but I'm saying if you had to pick a favorite, not against the field, but sure enough, they are rising. Brooklyn had been the favorite like plus 200 plus 250 it's now plus 300 which might be a little high still I mean, high. you know yeah, low or whatever a little optimistic golden state is second phoenix is now third at plus 600 i wouldn't bet it but i think that's plus 600 is pretty good honestly i don't know it's I mean, more in line with i think their realistic expectations they basically you're saying they have to win what four series at home that's it's doable didn't they have home um, court advantage last time in the playoffs? Or they had to play they were the two seed, had, right? But the one seed got upset. Seed, yeah. So they were they had home court advantage last year as Did well. Did they have it over in Milwaukee as well? I forgot. Uh, they, game six was in Milwaukee. They, were, right? they did have it at, yeah. Uh, yeah, they had it. And they were up 2-0 last year. Yeah. And it, and again, there, there are some of the same issues, but you know, JaVale McGee has been really, really good for Phoenix. So they, they should do a little bit better in guarding bigs. And then obviously Milwaukee. I don't know. They just, I guess the biggest thing with Milwaukee is like how much of this sort of like doldrums that we've seen from them. And I do want to get back on Utah because I want to talk about Utah and where they go, but how much of the Milwaukee thing is like, they haven't had Brooke Lopez, which makes them very different defensively, but also like they've won a million games over the last like three years. They're, they, they won a title. They've been very good still with Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday and Giannis all playing. But like, how much of this is it's just the regular season, and like, how how much can we watch Milwaukee scuffle? Because we do see teams like Milwaukee do this on a very very regular basis, where they just decide like, hey, we're not going to kill ourselves in the regular season anymore. We're not worried about the Bulls. We're not really worried about the Cavs. Like we, you know, we know we have to get up to play 
probably Brooklyn, right? And then may, maybe Philly, because it, it might be very difficult for them to guard Embiid given the way that he is currently playing. But like, I don't know. I mean, them going seven and eight in January, like pre-All-Star break, doesn't seem like a huge deal to me because of what we see teams who are consistent contenders do, you know, in the later years of their contention. And they're, they're not as good. You know what I mean? Like they're not Golden State with Kevin Durant, where it's just like, all right, they can just show up and win 65 mm-hmm. games. But but I certainly don't think they're scared of seeding and Chicago still number one, Philly number two, Miami number three. I don't think they're scared of Cleveland number four of any of those teams. Um, Milwaukee, I think, yeah, Milwaukee are, of all the, the the preseason favorites, Milwaukee's the team I'm least concerned about. I so think Mil- they're still the favorite. So Milwaukee and Brooklyn are for the fifth and sixth seed right now. Uh, again, the Brooklyn's three games out of the one spot, but Milwaukee's only one and a half games out of the one spot. If you had to make a prediction, Zan, like, do you think either of those teams finishes lower than fourth? If you, I mean, no. Brooklyn, I, mean, yeah. I guess you could you could see it with Brooklyn if like Harden were to get injured or something. Well, no, Durant's- Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn's definitely like my concern level for Milwaukee is like a two out of ten. Brooklyn's more like a six out of ten. Yeah, Joe Ing- or uh, Joe Ingles, Joe Harris is getting like a second opinion on his rehab. We haven't heard anything about that. They clearly need to get him back. Durant, I mean, assuming he'll be back, we we don't know, but like. I don't, again, we've talked about this before. I don't buy this whole, like, they'd rather have the extra away game because just being at home is better. But, like, I mean, Brooklyn's lost five in a row, and they, they haven't played particularly well. Now, two of the five, Harden wasn't playing, and he came back on Tuesday night against Phoenix, and their Phoenix is just better than them right now, especially without Durant. But, like, Brooklyn, again, it's it's the same situation, like, with the Lakers. Like, we can say over and over again, like, ah, they have a ton of talent. They'll figure it out. But, like, at a certain point, you have to be – somewhat concerned about the on-court product. Right. And I think that's why Milwaukee doesn't concern me as much, saying kind of like what you said. Like, we know yeah. we've seen it. We know what they can do. But Brooklyn, like, we still haven't seen them play together, the three guys, for like any sustained period of time or have success for a sustained period of time. Um, Utah is interesting because to go back to that, like, look, like it felt like last year was their year if they were going to get over the hump, you know, f- number one seed lose to the Clippers and it's just the carryover. It's not been good mentioned. You know, they've lost more games this year already than they lost last year. You mentioned the recent slide it, losing Joe Ingles. That's a big you know, deal. It, I mean, that's a it big is deal. A, yeah. Cause it's like, they're not the team that's going to win with a top five player. They're going to win because they had like a complete team that was well balanced. So yeah, it's away so, they're, one they're little sort piece. of, they're sort of like Phoenix in that regard. Right. Like, whereas like Chris Paul is a hall of famer or whatever, like he, neither he or Devin Booker is probably going to be a first team all NBA guy. And Utah's the same way. Maybe Rudy might get there, but hard to imagine that he's going to get there over Jokic. And you know, what's interesting about Utah. I mean, it's credit to Quinn Snyder. Cause it's like, you think they're struggling. They still have the number one offense in the NBA, despite Donovan Mitchell, 34% from three, Jordan Clarkson, I mean, he's 32%. Missed a, he's missed 11 games, Donovan Mitchell. I think Rudy has missed just about 10 games. Like they've, they've, you know, they didn't have the same COVID issues as everybody else, but Mitchell's had a concussion. Rudy's got like a calf injury. So like they've kind of gone through it the last month too. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm wondering, like is it's, it bad I'm just luck? saying like stylistically, like, Nate McMillan and other listeners listen to this because it's Clarkson and Mitchell like have not shot well I just mentioned under 33% combined they're shooting 17 threes a game combined so it's like they're still launching it away and that formula works like they they are number two in three-pointers attempts they're number two in free throw attempts and as a result of that distribution they have the number one offense again do you remember while we talk about Utah for a second and do you remember when Mike Conley got to Utah and he was just like atrocious yes. for like the, the first couple months? 
And now it's like Mike Conley is just the same guy, like 15 points a game, five assists a game, shoots like low 40s from three. And it's just like the guy is incredible in, in terms of like what he brings to the table. And I wonder if Utah's real window was like that first year when like if Mike Conley was really good, yeah. they could have. But didn't he get hurt? He, like there was that tough first round series. I think he missed and then Bogdanovich missed time. Yeah. I mean, that was a big that was Bogdanovich got injured, right? Like, yeah. I think yeah. he missed the playoffs that year. But, but so my question is to you, like if you're Utah, and I've told you this before, I think there is some smoke uh, to the Quinn Snyder, like maybe not being long for Utah, especially if they have another. Or top. Donovan Mitchell. They've been mentioning that now too. So if you're Utah, the trade deadline, I believe, is eight days away from uh, this recording. Now that Joe Ingles is injured, you know that he's out for the year. Is Utah under pressure, Zan, to add somebody at the deadline to, to come I, in and, and take – because, he, you know, Joe Ingles' role for them is he comes off the bench, he, he makes open shots, but he is more of a ball mover, like secondary creator than I, I think people realize. Like, he sort of does a lot of stuff well. And so if you're Utah, I mean, who are you targeting? What do you think you can get to replace a guy like that? Yeah, you know, they had been talking about Covington, who probably is not as good as re- his reputation. Harrison C- Barnes. Certainly, but- certainly not at what uh, Joe Ingles does. Yeah. Harrison Barnes has been mentioned. That would be a good ad for them. I don't know if it's like a needle mover, but I think for Utah, you've been like on the Utah can win a title bandwagon for a while. I don't know if that's the case, but <laughs> I don't know if they can win a title without Joe Ingles. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. It's, but I think for them, it's just like, look, there's no shame in losing in the second round. There is some disappointment and shame and maybe ramifications to losing in the first round. Do you think so they right now they play Dallas in the first round and there's no way like I wouldn't I wouldn't take hard earned money that I put on Bovada and bet it on Utah if they play Dallas today. No chance. I I agree. Dallas I think is is ahead of them in terms of just like momentum, in terms of like upside. So Utah, I mean, look, and as long as Memphis is still in that top bracket, like they're gonna have a tough first round series. Um yeah. I think they'll be favored, but like that's that's also a danger because if you suddenly you're, you're losing to Dallas and you're, you have home court advantage, then Donovan Mitchell's looking around like, what am I playing here for? What's the, we've kind of missed our chance almost. I wonder. I do wonder. We've talked about this before, and Donovan Mitchell is a very good NBA player, but I wonder if Donovan Mitchell's value to the Utah Jazz specifically is is greater than his value elsewhere. Like, I'm not saying that the Knicks wouldn't throw a bag at Donovan Mitchell to come back right. home. You know, they, they would do that, obviously. But, like, Donovan Mitchell in MSG, like, chucking without Rudy Gobert behind him <laughs> and, and a really good coach yeah. coaching offense uh, is a little well, bit yeah, different. You'd rather play with Rudy Gobert than, like, Julius Randle. Would you? Um, what about Zion, I, though? Donovan Mitchell, Zion, well, Cam Reddish. <laughs> That's a good uh, team. But, yeah, so Utah, it's, it's danger zone. I think they have to make a move. Although... You know, because their GM left, you know, they had to like shake up and Danny Ainge is there. I don't know what his power role is. Maybe they don't feel as much pressure to win now, or maybe they're not as attached to this core. I don't know. It's, it does seem like sort of a concern if my concern level for them is relatively high. I mean, and the other thing too with them, and it, you know, Donovan Mitchell's 25, Rudy's 29, I think. But like Bogdanovich is 32, Mike Conley's 34, Joe Ingles, I believe, is 34. Rudy Gay plays a lot of minutes for them. He's 35. Like, so yeah, you're two like building blocks that you can re-sign. You know, Rudy Gobert has a big deal already. And then Donovan Mitchell would presumably get a super max, is my guess. But yeah, uh, and also you just have to you think they're fourth right now. 
And you know they're probably a top. But the distance, the, West, the distance but, between them and Memphis, I want to say Memphis is thirty five wins, right? Yeah. And Utah, I think, is twenty nine and twenty one. So I mean, that's a big gap. But it, the scary thing for if I'm Utah is like, I might not make round two in a year where you know Clippers are missing their guys, the Lakers haven't figured it out, and then like these younger teams like Dallas and Minnesota are rising, and they might pass you next year. I mean, like your your window feels like it's shrinking, right? And Me- and Memphis is not presumably Memphis is not getting any worse either, right? Yeah. Like Memphis and Joe Ingles, I mean, his career might basically be over, right? He's thirty four. Mike Conley's thirty four. He's fine. Obviously, we mentioned he's playing well, but right. And they re-signed Mike Conley, so he he's going to be there at least for another two years. Ingles and Bogdanovich though, yeah, is right. thirty two. I mean, like it's not a young team by any and, stretch and of so imagination. I wonder how much of a swing they think they need to take because one of the things with Utah is like it's it's not like they have a ton of depth pieces that that like really interest other teams because they don't play a lot of young guys, right? They they've built their team around this group of like core veterans. Also, it's going to be like late first round picks, so. I'm curious. Like, do you think like is Utah that what's the opposite of desirable? Undesirable. Undesirable. There you go. There's the English major in you. Um, I was not an think, English major, by the way. Oh, okay. Is it that undesirable in a sense where like they're not landing free agents? Obviously, do you think they they're at the point where like people would refuse to go there? Like, let's say they traded for Bradley Beal and they're not going to do it. I'm just throwing the Would he refuse would to he go to really Utah? Say, I'm not going to Utah. I'm not re-signing in Utah. Don't even try it. I doubt it. I mean, I, I mean, he might not re-sign there. Salt Lake City is a cool place, but it's obviously... I, I've it. heard it's cool too, but... So let me let me ask you this. Like, this, this is my problem with Utah's roster. And when we talk about, like, flexibility, okay? Let's just use Bradley Beal for an example because... There is maybe some legs to Beal getting traded, specifically to Philly. Or why don't we say Jeremy Grant? Because maybe that makes more sense roster-wise. Yeah, it might. It might, obviously. But I I think that, let's just say Beal's a rental, right? So presumably his price may be lower than we think. But, like, you're not... You're not trading, like, Elijah Hughes, Jared Butler, and, like, three first-round picks for Bradley Beal. Especially because this is an older, expensive roster. So, like... Yes, you can take a shot on a rental, but like they can't really re-sign Bradley Beal and Donovan Mitchell. And then also like they don't really want to be trading away first round picks because like there is a chance if Donovan Mitchell were to leave. And I, again, I don't think he's going to but, like if you were to leave like those picks that you think are going to be like 24, 25, like a team with Rudy Gobert is like the best player, which he, he is right now. But like without some of the veteran pieces, like what's to say that this couldn't be a lottery team in two or three years? I think they have a lot of confidence. Maybe they don't because they're always like shaking up their front office, but I don't think they think this is just total speculation. I think Utah, maybe I should have said this a year ago, could survive the loss of Donovan Mitchell better than Donovan Mitchell thinks. That's that's what I'm, that's kind of what my point was. Like his value to the Jazz, like it goes both ways. Like he is better su- served to play in Utah. Than he yeah. is anywhere else. I well, like, remember when they, I'm just thinking when they lost Gordon Hayward and everyone's like, the sky is falling. They're going to be a lottery team for the next five years. It's like the defense is good. There's play style so good. You need somebody to be a scorer, but there's a, there, I think there's a lot of guys who can score 20 points a game in the NBA if they have the green light. Yeah. The um, big concern for me would be what happens if Quinn Snyder leaves because right, I agree. They, they've built this team offense and defense around Rudy Gobert, which was incredibly intelligent for, for how good Rudy is. It's those specific things. But if you leave and then somebody's like, yeah, this didn't really work. Like, I'm going to come in and try a new scheme. Then all of a sudden, like, yes, Rudy is a tremendously good NBA player. And, uh, you know, whether you think he's like one of the top 10 best players in the NBA, he probably is one of the top 10 most valuable. 
right? Considering how he plays for Utah, but you have to get the most out of his value. And I don't know that somebody else does that. And that would make Utah much worse in the interim. If let's say they lose in the first round and they just decide like, Hey, we want to shake it up. And, and their well, fans think, are pretty crazy, maybe, right? Like their, their fans yeah. are like really nuts. So it could happen. Well, do you think, let me give you a rope some throw some snares at you because right now they're you know sagging to fourth i still think they're maybe a top three team in the west top 14 you know so they're in the mix i don't think anyone would take them over over phoenix or even golden state um who pushes them the needle forward to the point where they could make the finals let's say like do you think harrison barnes is enough let's say they somehow do it for picks and not much else like can you repeat that sorry yeah, so I'm saying who would actually push the needle forward and put Utah on a higher plane and say they're contending with Phoenix, they're they contending could, they could actually Like they could actually get? Yeah, well, because uh, Covington's not going to push the needle forward, right? No. Move the needle. But could Harrison Barnes? Do you think that's enough? If they don't trade I don't think they can get. I don't think they can get Harrison Barnes. But I'm saying if they, let's say it was two first-round picks or whatever it is, and they added to him to the roster with losing nothing but like Joe Ingles contract. Do you think that's enough to put them back at like one or two in the West? Yeah. I mean, if they get healthy, I think Harrison Barnes would be enough of an upgrade. Like, or, or Jeremy enough of Grant, like, do you think? No, I, yeah. I mean, I get, again, I don't think those guys. So Ingles was making like $10 million this year, right? right. Or 10 or 14. I can't remember. He has, I think one year left on his deal, but so like, I don't know that they can just absorb. Obviously, they can they can move guys in and out, right, and include like you know a young player that somebody conceivably could want. I, I, don't, I don't even know to be honest with you. Their roster is so like devoid of that. But I just don't. I just don't see. Like, yeah, I think those guys would both be needle movers in terms of like the Western like, Conference you, playoff yeah. race. But I just don't see those guys as options, and that's why I think you need to operate more like on the fringes for a team like Utah. And I, I can't say that I have like a good answer for who that is. Right. Well, it needs, I think it needs to be somebody because it's like, even I don't, I don't know if Robert Covington's the guy, but let's say he is just to plug the hole, like the leak in the dam. If, if you're telling me Joe Ingles is like the card that like makes the whole house of cards fall, like that's a problem. Cause he was 34 Definitely. anyway. Definitely. Like, and he's I mean, not, and he's not, he's not, don't get me wrong. He was having his worst season over the last couple of years, but again, this is a 25 minute per game guy who has been on this team for a lot of years, who is a key cog in how they play offensively and defense. Sure. That's what I'm saying. But like, if they just said, Oh, come back next year, full strength, like Joe Engels is getting worse. I mean, like they would need a long-term answer for that spot anyway. So might right, as well. How about somebody now. like, like th- this is kind of where I think they probably need to be thinking. Like, what about a guy like Thomas Sadoransky? Right. He's not, you know, he's not a big wing. You probably can't get Josh Hart. I think it'd be a little tough to go, but like a team like New Orleans, who is probably going to be selling, has some guys that make some sense on the wing. Right. So I don't know. Like, can you, what about like Thaddeus Young? Can you convince San Antonio to take a pick back for Thaddeus Young since they're almost certainly going to trade him? Is like that a guy that makes sense? And again, I, I don't know the answer to this. I think because of how system-based Utah is, and this isn't to say that other teams are not system-based. They they certainly are. I don't think it's as easy to integrate yourself with Utah because of the way they play right away. So I think you want a veteran, and I think you want a guy who has some basketball intelligence. That was, I thought, Joe Ingles' best quality. And then, again, I think you need that guy to be able to shoulder some of the ball-handling load 
on the second unit. And that's kind of where I think it needs to be, whether or not it becomes a wing or a guard, I think it just needs to be that type of guy. Yeah, you're right. You know, and it's like, they have sort of a formula where it's like, we have our defense locked in with Gobert. Offensively, we're just going to let Donovan Mitchell score. And then the second unit to let Jordan Clarkson fire away, you know, 10 threes a game, whether he's hitting them or not. There's not a lot of room for another like pure scorer. No, so, I mean, that guy just like, like that glue guy. I mean, I honestly, the guy that probably makes the most sense, Zan, and I don't, I don't know that they can do it, but like probably Eric Gordon is going to be the most sought after guy, I think, for every Like the team. most realistic target. And like low cost. He, and even he might not be that realistic, but like Houston, is, somebody is going to overpay Houston for Eric Gordon. And mm-hmm. like if I'm Utah, maybe he makes sense because he can guard a little bit better than we think. Like he is, <laughs> I mean, he's definitely had some games in the past where you wonder what's going on with him, but like he is the legitimate guy who can score and make shots. Well, and, and it's think. funny because he had, remember the last couple of years, he'd been like so ice cold to start the season. He's been good this he's year. He's been really good, I think, this year. Yeah, so his contract's not a scary thing anymore. I don't know if he, fit, you know, he's more of that scorer shooter guy. So I, I think he fits on a lot of teams. Or you go for broke and try to trade for like Karis Levert, right? Like that's another one. He might cost you a little bit more, but like that's a guy that you can kind of build with. And I think what about yeah, what about? I, I guess John Collins is too locked into Atlanta. They don't no, have to they're trade. Not pay, they can't pay twenty five million for John Collins. Like again, I mean, I, I think Eric, Aaron Gordon. What about, honestly, what about Kyle Anderson? I I don't know if he's on the block or not. But just sort of Memphis, as that like Memphis forward seem, high IQ guy. That guy makes a lot of sense in this role. He he honestly, he's probably not gonna be on Memphis after this season. So maybe he just signs in Utah, right? Like that's actually a really it does good make one. a lot of Kyle sense, Anderson. right? Like it feels like he's like the spiritual heir of like Joe Ingalls. <laughs> so we're not optimistic on Utah. That's funny. I mean, I'm not I, I wouldn't say that like so you're are you revoking their title contender status? You've always been uh, as of right fan. now. Johnny regular season they call based you. on they do call me that based on what I've seen. Uh, like I said, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take their Bovada odds to win the title. I, I don't think that they're good enough. I don't I don't think that like if I said turns, over under they win six games in the playoffs, what would you say? So they have to win a series. They have to win a series and then two, at least. Given what I've seen right now and not knowing what's going to happen, like with Donovan Mitchell's like concussion issues, I think I would take the under. Hmm. I just, I think the middle of the West is very tough to call because like, I, I think Memphis is good, right? I'm including them in the upper tier of the West. So I'm, I'm saying like Golden State, Phoenix, Memphis, not, not in any particular order, Memphis third of those two teams, but those three teams look like clearly the best three teams in the West. And then you have like Denver, Utah, Dallas, Minnesota's okay. They're about as good as like the Clippers and the Lakers right now. Like maybe, so let's just say those five teams, I guess. Am I missing somebody? I can't, am I missing somebody? Probably wouldn't include the Blazers in that mix. But like, I guess I think Dallas is probably the best of those teams right now. I I don't know what to think. We haven't really seen the Lakers at full strength. Denver, it seems like they're not getting Michael Porter back, but it seems like they are going to get Jamal Murray back. So then like, what do I think about that? You know, and so- all these teams that might be in that like four or five mix, I think it's really hard to pick any of them to win more than six games in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think you're right. And I think Utah, maybe they're just like stung from the playoffs last year, having the one seed, losing to the Clippers who are not at full strength. It's just sort of like, oh my God, like it's like having the rug pulled out from under you. Like everything you yeah. thought you were building, it's like looks like there's cracks in the foundation in Canto style. You know what I'm saying? I haven't seen um, it yet, honestly. <laughs> I, need to, I need to see it. I really do. 
um, yeah, the magic is, is crumbling. Spoiler alert for Encanto. <laughs> um, I've, heard some of the, I've heard some of the songs. All right. Last, the last thing that I, I kind of wanted to talk about, we do have the trade deadline coming up. I think we'll get more into it next week than this week, but so I have, a, a, I have a topic for you, actually, if you, oh, if you unless you have, because I thought it was no, interesting let's do it. whether, let's do it. whether Utah needs to make a move. The other team I'm seeing, like, are you buyers? Are you sellers? I thought it was really interesting to hear that New Orleans is is trying to make moves to compete. Sellers, so obviously, hundo hundo p sellers don't know how to explain it any any clearer than that. Um, but you know, obviously, Zion hasn't played this year. Again, no big deal. He's definitely um, not playing, by the way. Like, yeah, what, it's a little scary. Should, should we just like end this charade of like, like I, I can't say for sure that he's not playing, but like. We haven't heard good news about Zion Williamson in a year and a half. Yeah, it's it's a little crazy. But but here's what's crazy about New Orleans. They started three and sixteen. And they have worked their way up. Brandon Ingram came back, 19 and 32. Doesn't sound great, but they're in the 11th spot. They're only a game and a half out of the 10th playing spot. And I think the front office has to be feeling some pressure. Because I think if they just like you know also ran ninth pick team, I think they'll probably get fired. So, do you think they're going to make a move, even not knowing if Zion's coming back? You know, I don't. I think teams like this tend to operate like their move is getting Zion Williamson back, right? That they'll be better that way. But I mean, he's going to be on a minutes limit, I'm sure. Like, I, I mean, it's hard to say. But the problem with them is like they've gotten so much production. Excuse me, they've gotten so much production from like you know, Jose Alvarado and like Herb Jones and these guys that are kind of like scrap heap type, you know, afterthoughts that I don't really know. Like, what is their move going to be? Because well, they, like they were a rumored Eric Gordon team too. And it would make sense would be if you thought they were comp- if they competing. Went, if, like Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon Eric, makes sense if they have Zion and they were 500. Maybe, maybe. I mean, but like, again, I don't mind teams making moves on the fringe of like competitiveness. Like, I, I think it's fine when teams do it, when they're just like, hey, we want to make the playoffs. Like, it's been a while since this has happened. But like, New Orleans probably, I, I guess, like, I guess you could say they don't necessarily need to punt this year. But like, if Zion truly is not coming back, just play your young guys, like play your Brandon Ingrams and Josh Hart's like those guys are under contract. Josh Hart's contract's really weird. I know it's not guaranteed for like the following two seasons, but it is a reasonable deal. And he's played very well this year. Like what is the point in trading for Eric Gordon as a rental and, and taking minutes from somebody else who's been good, whether that is, you know, Nikel Alexander Walker has certainly hasn't been good, but like, why would you take minutes from him? Why would you take well, they, minutes they have from so many, Herb like, Jones? They're, they're, Herb Jones has been like a nice, you know, steal for them in a limited role, but it's like, I feel like they've swung and missed. A, I don't want to say miss because they're still young, but like there's some ugly numbers on this team. Like, you know, at certain spots, like Jackson Hayes hasn't gotten it together. He's got some problems. Kira Lewis. We haven't seen a lot from Trey Wait, Murphy. Kira Lewis was, is out for the year. Okay. Well, he, he only played 20 games. Didn't do much. Trey Murphy. I thought would have a good rookie year. He hasn't had one 12 minutes a game, 33% shooting. The guy that you mentioned is a trade target for Utah, Thomas Sensoransky. He's just buried. He's buried. He's shooting 29.9% from the field. And he's played, you know, 15 minutes a game. So it's like, is he just completely cooked or he just needs a different role, a different team? Um, and and the, and my guy, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who I picked for most improved player, it's just, he just hasn't shot well at all. He hasn't gotten a line. He's, he's been like the big clunker for them. If he yeah. was like a poor man, Shea Gildas-Alexander, 
that's what I think they are. Honestly, I think that's what they thought he was. Maybe. I mean, they certainly, I don't know. I mean, he's losing rotation minutes to, to guys. I don't like the only person that you would assume is not going to be there is Garrett Temple, right? You could roll back this entire roster next year. So if that's the case, I could see trading for somebody as a midseason upgrade, but I wouldn't want to trade for a rental. If I yeah, was you don't want to trade for only guy. You want to try to get like a Jalen Brown or somebody who's like a part of the core Tyrese Halliburton. Maybe I don't think I can get him, but I just, Utah, or I'm sorry, New Orleans is current like asset collection. They have a ton of picks, right? And some of those Lakers picks might actually end up being better than we think, which we said at the time. Do you think a team like New Orleans should be trading picks? I I just don't. I don't think so. Think no. so. Can, I have a question for you. This is totally off the wall because it just made me think. Because we're talking Utah, we're talking New Orleans. What do you think the trade value of the Jazz as a name would be for New Orleans if they're like, "Hug, we want to be the Jazz." No, it makes not, more not sense. Not a lot. I mean, the, the you think we give you our first name. round pick, the Jazz would take it for the name? Probably not. For just for the name. You have to spend a lot of money in marketing when you when you have to do it. So you're game. saying Utah, the Utah Jazz, Utah franchise would not take a first round pick to give up the name. I don't think they maybe would. the that number was, one overall pick they would take the number one overall. Maybe pick? if That's they could get one. maybe if they could get like Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, or Paolo Bancaro, they would take it. But That's probably, like a great probably probably. file that away for a Reddit post. Like the trade value of everyone's team name because well, Jazz like, would be Jazz is a good name. It's been yeah, around for a well, long time. For certain, for New Orleans, it would be valuable. I mean, that's what they were before, right? That's why. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. But like, who would be like the least valuable trade name? Probably the Pelicans. <laughs> it doesn't translate well either. Well, I mean, right? before yeah. it was like the Charlotte Bobcats was pretty good. It's the funny that we're talking about well. names, like as the, the Washington football team announced today that they're going to be the Washington Commanders. Yeah, that's the other reason I was thinking about it. It's kind of What a about the Celtics? Name. Like, how much would the Celtics have Celtics to name value is worth a lot, I think. But like, you, can't really trade trade you can't really trade Luka that. Doncic for... The Celtics. But, but that doesn't make sense in Dallas, right? Like, so Utah, obviously, New Orleans being the Jazz, like, that Three makes way sense. Three-way trade. Right? I, don't think, I don't think Boston would trade the Celtics name for Luka. Here's what I think should be. Why, like, Memphis is the Grizzlies, right? Like, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like, what if you traded, there's more like Grizzly Bears in, like, Minnesota or, like, Milwaukee, right? right? So, like, right. that actually makes a bit more sense to me. Like, why would Memphis be the Grizzlies? Well, because they were Vancouver. Right. And that's, it makes sense, but that's what I'm saying. So you want to be able to trade. Like no, Toronto, but I'm just thinking, you know, Toronto's if you, if the Raptors. Like, come on. If now. it was like a yard sale, you're in dire straits, you're just trading everything on this. <laughs> Everything's not bolted down. Um, anyway, get back on track. Jeez, that's about nice. all. Honestly, I think that's about all I can hack. I want to know, did you watch Coda since we talked last? I didn't. I, that was my homework. I watched Belfast, which I liked. We actually that was black, it that was black and white, right? Black and white. That's tough. Um, That's tough. It's a little slow, but it's like, you know what it reminded me of? Do you ever see the movie Boyhood? Yes. Or also, also a little slow. Also a little slow. But yeah. So if that's your cup of tea, that I, I would recommend Belfast. What do you got for Super Bowl? Any Super Bowl props pop out at you on, uh, on Bovada? Well, you know, I, I told you I, I liked the deep cut. Um, I have to look up exactly what it is because, you know, things change. Oh yeah, you you gave the name of somebody for for Super Bowl MVP that was like three thousand to one that I had never even heard of before. Oh, I didn't because you know why? There were two. two na- guys. You gave two names. One I think was like Trey Hendrickson, which yeah, makes who's sense. Underrated defensive end. Yeah, he's very good. Like Sixteen sacks this year. Right, but then the, you gave another guy who was three thousand to one who I had never heard of him. Really? Life. That's okay. So the guy, uh, he might be my pick then. 
So cause I just remember him from the draft thinking he was a good, like center fielder kind of, you know, ball Hawk, Jesse Bates, the third oh, Jesse Bates. That's what it was. I looked at and that name and I was like, boy, this is bad. He, he was the second round pick. He a young guy in his third year. He had a really good year last year. He actually finished second team all pro. And so in my head, I'm like, he's a ball hawk. He's probably getting six, seven interceptions a year. Apparently, he did not have a great year, according to it seems PFF. really diff- It seems really difficult, I think, for given the narrative that's currently surrounding the Bengals. And, and I, I will say that Sunday was one of the oddest performances I've ever seen from a quarterback. Patrick Mahomes' second half, I, I, I truly don't know what happened. I, I would love to somebody to break it down for me, what the Bengals have done in second halves versus the Chiefs. But you know, Burrow wasn't like amazing on Sunday, but I, I think given the narrative around the Bengals of like Burrow and Chase, like how could it not be one of those guys? Okay, let me amend then. Jesse Bates, you know, as a you're, you're just you're probably. saying like super value, like he returns a pick for a touchdown, and you get right. yourself it would have like to be Dwight like two Smith interceptions, or whatever probably. the guy, Dexter Jackson, or whatever his name right. was for the Bucks, or Malcolm Smith. Remember, I think he won MVP once from the Seahawks, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll say prop they have them all you know on that site jesse bates interception book it i'm not sure what the odds are but i'm saying let's have a vibe because i think stafford throws some picks um jesse bates will be around the action i, I think the most prudent deep cut and i, I don't know what you probably have about open but i don't know what his odds are but if aaron donald ends up with like one and a half or two sacks and yeah. the rams and the rams win unless Stafford has like 300 plus and like multiple touchdowns, I just think that give me a little bit of a lifetime achievement award. Plus we know how bad the Bengals defensive uh, offensive line is. I think if Aaron Donald ends up with counting stats, he's going, well, I'll tell you, even if it's because like, he's just like universally recognized as like the best player in the league right. on their team, even though like, like I don't think has been like amazing in the playoffs if, too. You'd have to have limit Stafford and cop, but if the Rams win and, and Aaron Donald even has like one and a half sacks and just like four or five pressures, like that'll be such a I mean, it was, point. It was like a Remember, like when Ray Lewis won, I don't remember if it was like 2011 or 2012, whenever they beat the, the blackout game, whenever they beat San Francisco, like Flacco was fine, right? Like he was good enough, but it's like, it was like Ray Lewis's moment, you know? And I think like, right. that's what we'll get if the Rams win, because like the Rams have so many stars and so many good players, but it's like, even with all those players, it's just like universally known that like Aaron Donald's their best player. And so like, I think if it ends up being like a, let's just say it's a snoozer of a game like last year, let's say it's like 24 to 10 or something. Are you really not going to give it to him? And, and there's a path there. Like even let's say you're another great player, Jalen Ramsey, <clears throat> you need, you, like you said, counting stats. You like, have to have can't stats. just be like shutting down Jamar Chase. It has to be that. And a you have to get picks. And that's where like Donald, I don't who Fox probably has the game this year would be my guess. I think they had it last year. So like, and the thing is like, they love talking about Aaron Donald. Like literally he gets shown so many times mm-hmm. on replays of like being in the backfield. And so like, it's another thing that I think people look at and they're just like, Oh, Aaron Donald, like he's so disruptive. So you're exactly right. Like he gets a sack, but like you said, they show 27 different replays of him, like sort Pressure, of pressuring yeah. Burrow. Or being a second guy there. And yeah. Then and and don't get me wrong. Like the, the, the Rams D line is <laughs> probably the most important, like the, the Rams D line versus the Bengals O line is probably going to determine who, who wins a Super Bowl. would be my guess. Cause I, I think, I don't know if you think Burrow's like way better than Stafford or, or vice versa. They're probably pretty similar at this stage. Right. And McVeigh and Taylor are both super conservative game planners in the second half, which is very, very annoying, but like McVeigh's 
probably better than him currently. So like, it seems pretty even aside from the, the chiefs or I'm sorry, the Rams D line being as good as it is. Yeah. And I think that's their differentiator. Like I, we've argued not pri- privately, like I legitimately do think Aaron Donald's is valuable as quarterback. Cause like a lot of teams have pretty good quarterbacks and pretty good passing games, but how many teams have like a defensive tackle that's creating pressure up the middle and it does rattle good quarterbacks. It and definitely Burrow, does. We, Burrow's we have taken 51 sacks this year in the regular season, a lot in the playoffs as well. It's definitely in, dating back to LSU. He, he kind of takes a lot of pressure and he usually gets her out of it. Yeah. And but, we saw Chris Jones have a couple of plays on Sunday where he couldn't get to him. And mm-hmm. we know that Aaron Donald is like a bit faster and a bit more athletic than Chris Jones. And like, if that's happening, you would assume that Donald probably finishes those plays. And I don't, I don't know that, right. That's just an absolute. Yeah. It could be that Joe Burrow is just amazing. And he's, I think his MVP odds are a little low actually. I mean, undervalued because I, the last odds I saw Stafford was favored over him, like two to one. And it's like, Burrow has a better chance of winning if his team wins than Stafford Stafford does. I agree. And I also think too, the, the one thing that's really important is like Stafford is so good against the blitz and the Bengals are one of the teams that blitzes the fewest in the NFL. And I think that's going to matter. So I think, People just assuming like, hey, this is going to soar over. I, I do think the over is probably a better play. And as we get closer to the Super Bowl, we'll talk a little bit more about it next week. But yeah, I definitely do feel like from a schematic standpoint, this is an okay matchup for the Bengals. I, I absolutely feel that way. And, and the other thing, too, I will say. Well, you know, is, it hasn't, no one's talked about it yet, but Zach Taylor, you know, coached for the Rams. Is that He worked for Sean McVay, right? Yeah. Like, here's the one thing I will say, though. McVeigh, there's a lot of pressure on him, right? Because so they make the Super Bowl with Jared Goff 2018 and, you know, Belichick zones him up and McVeigh had no idea what to do, right? Like probably uh, no question about it, the worst performance of McVeigh's career, like an embarrassing performance. I think there was a lot of pressure on McVeigh to like actually produce a really good game plan because I think like we said that the sour taste from the Super Bowl before when they could manage three points, just this one I think is, you know, it's the biggest game obviously, but it feels like the Rams are better to me. And I think it would, it would require McVay to really kind of, I don't know, stumble over himself again for them to not be able to at least score on the Bengals defense, I think. Yeah. But credit to the Bengals for like adjusting and outplaying Kansas city in the second half. I thought they had a coaching disadvantage. They going into, I I don't know what happened. Honestly, I don't don't know what happened. They definitely had a coaching disadvantage. Yeah. I've never, I, I have never seen anything like the second half of that game. Like just in terms of, well, that's why we, we, I do like, I like both sports, but the good thing about the NBA, it feels like the champions well-deserved every year. Typically, almost. yes. Yeah, typically. NFL, yes. I'd say the best team wins about 30% of the time, maybe. That's what, that's uh, why I like this Tom Brady stuff, like, and, you know, him retiring is awesome. Like, I'm, I really respect him not, like, wanting a tour, but, like, yes, he's the best of all time, like, no question about it, but, like, to win seven Super Bowls, like, you have to get a lot of bounces. Like, it just is the way that it works, you know? Like, it just yeah. is. I, I don't know. Hard. I mean, the Bengals have gotten so many good bounces in the playoffs and it, it, you know, have to take advantage of them. Don't get me wrong, but like, it just feels like the Bengals are a very average-ish team with a really good quarterback. Like, I don't know that you could tell me that the Bengals aren't like the 12th best team in the NFL. Well, that's I tell you, that's their SRS this year and regular season was 12th and their DVOA in the regular season was like 15th or something. Yeah. They seem like an above average team and Hey, it's, so it's going to feel a little weird if they win the Super Bowl, but whatever. 
Nobody he forgets, like, you, know, you know, like yeah, it's, the fans. I'm rooting for the fans sake. I think it'd be great. LA fans. I can tell you do not care nearly as much. They don't even know they have a team, right? That's the thing. Yeah. Like most LA people I know, like didn't even know the Super Bowl was in LA. They're so like checked out. So annoying. All right. That's it for us this week. Talk a little trade deadline next week. Talk a little bit more Super Bowl props as Zan has time to crunch the numbers, but he is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. You can email the show Xander Ellison at gmail.com and uh, we'll be back next week. As always, Zan, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.